what we've got here is failure to communicate. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Tough, unique, bad, bold, and sassy. 60% of the time, it works every time. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Take the pain. Take the pain! Have you ever seen a grown man naked? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Today, Junior? It's too late to turn back now. It's the Brian Hank Show. Indeed it is, John. Indeed it is. Welcome! Hello! Live and on tape from beautiful Whitehall Drive here in lovely Kenston, North Carolina. You know, it's not sexy North Carolina because I don't have Scott Whittington on the show today. If it was, it, we, we'd, be, we'd be sexy today, but we're not. We're lovely Kenston, North Carolina. Hey, it's a new month. It's Thursday, June the 1st in the year of our Lord 2023. This is episode 872 of the Brian Hank Show presented by Lenore Community College. My co-hosts, John Dawson, Jonathan Massey, they're going to be joining me at the end of the second hour, potentially. Man, have I got some stuff to tell you. Uh, I'll well, I tell you what, let me tell you about our guests first, and then I'll catch you up on uh, why technology does not love Brian or John or Jonathan for that matter, but we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, listen, we've got another great show for you today, and we are mixing it up today. Uh, typically in our first hour, you would be getting your minds ready. You'd be getting your hearts ready. You'd be getting your ears ready for my good friend and the voice of uh, the Down East Wood Ducks and University of Mount Olive. Uh, it's Shane Albee. You, you, he's our typical Thursday guest. However, he has graciously given up his time slot today here in the first hour. He will be with us in the second hour tomorrow. How about that? Uh, Shane Albee will be joining us in. Uh, so in that slot today, and again, Shane's just such a good guy, man. Uh, I've moved him around a couple of times in the last month or so, and uh, just never hesitates. Like I said, just such a good guy. But he'll be in our second hour tomorrow because in our first hour today, is going to be uh, Paul Whittington. He's our typical Friday guest. He couldn't do it tomorrow, I believe. He's got to serve our country. He's uh, got his uh, summer. Uh, you know what? We'll let him tell us about it when he joins us, but not able to join us in our uh, or tomorrow at all. So, uh, again, thank you to Shane Albee, who typically is our Thursday guest. Paul Whittington will be joining us here in probably uh, about 13 minutes or so, 13, 14 minutes. We have a lot to talk to him about. We've got nascar we've got uh i guess we we did a pretty good job of putting the uh the bow on the carolina hurricane season last week uh, i don't know if there's any follow-up from that that we'll talk to him about but we will talk some stanley cup final with him uh and just uh we'll, we'll have a good time with our good friend uh paul whittington uh man a lot of stuff going on in nascar i mean this has been maybe i don't know if it's they just always have a bunch of news and i just didn't really pay attention to it because i wasn't really on <laughs> you know, doing NASCAR, but, uh, man, just a, a bunch of different, uh, breaking news. I mean, the 14 team in a lot of trouble, they have pretty much been, unless I don't even know if there's an appeal process. I think I was just talking to Paul a few minutes ago. Uh, and I don't think that the 14 team can appeal all these, uh, all these, uh, penalties that's been handed down by NASCAR, which pretty much that absolutely takes them out of, uh, any sort of championship race. But you know what? 
that's for our talk with uh, Paul Whittington, like I said, in a little bit. Man, I do want to talk to him about our Washington Nationals, too. Uh, the Nationals go to L.A. last night and win in L.A. How crazy is that? Uh, it's just, uh, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. They, they win 10-6 to 6 in L.A., and I'm just wondering if I'm allowed. They hit five home runs last night. I just, I don't get it. I don't know if I'm allowed to be happy. If I'm allowed to start dreaming again, I don't get it twisted. I, this isn't 2019. This isn't even the three or four years before that, when they were, you know, national league East champions and, uh, always challenging for, uh, a pl- you know, in the playoffs and all that. I know that, but man, just after a couple of years of just walking through the desert, I'm beginning to think this Washington nationals team might be special. We'll talk to our good friend, uh, Paul Whittington, about that in, uh, like I said, about 10 minutes or so from right now. Our second hour guest, we had him on here a couple of weeks ago. In fact, two weeks ago today, and I'm very excited to have him back on. We just barely scratched the surface. And I got to tell you, he brings the ratings, too. Uh, It's Mickey Weatherington. Uh, He is part of a band that's going to be playing at Roxy's on Vernon Avenue uh, this Saturday night, and it's an absolutely free show. Linda and I are going to be out there. We're going to go to the Wood Ducks game, and then we're going to uh, uh, head out to Roxy's for a little bit. Yeah, we're old folks going to the bar, but you know what? Mickey is uh, Mickey's about our age, too, and it, just a, a great musician from everything I've heard. Uh, you folks love him. I've not had a chance to hear him in person yet, but really looking forward to uh, that. But Mickey Weatherington, and, and uh, listen, if you're one of our 252 ESPN listeners, uh, in New Bern or Greenville, and you don't have plans yet for Saturday night, how about a good show? Take your significant others, hang out with your buddies, uh, bring them to Kenston, and uh, come to a free show. <coughs> like I said, it's Roxy's, R-O-X-I-E-S. Just Google it. It's on um, Vernon Avenue, and I promise you are going to be in for a good time. And Mickey's just a, a guy. I didn't even really know him. I mean, this goes back. Keith Spence, you remember? I was uh, getting my car serviced at Spence Automotive, Yes, uh, if, if Shane Albee's listening right now, he just gave me a beep beep, I know. Uh, but I uh, uh, was just hanging out there while my car was getting worked on or inspected or whatever it was uh, about a m- month, six weeks ago or so. And uh, Mickey walked in. We started talking about Hall of Fame. We didn't really get to talk about his uh, family that much last time he visited a couple weeks ago. But we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about uh, this show this uh, Saturday night, I want to I want to pack out Roxy's. I mean, from the power of the Brian Hanks show and 960thebull.com and 960 AM here in Kinston, I think that'll be a lot of fun. So I uh, can't wait to hear him. Like I said, I've not had a chance to uh, hear him in person, but evidently uh, from everything that I hear from folks, puts on a really good show. So uh, can't wait for that. That's this Saturday night. So uh, that's Paul Whittington. That's Mickey Weatherington. That'll be joining us here on today's show. And, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, whew. I, I'm going to raise the curtain on the show a little bit. Okay. And, uh, I, I know I, I've started doing that a lot lately and, uh, you guys, you seem to like it. Uh, but the birthday game that we play every day here on the show, I mean, you know, we move it around. I played it on Memorial Day uh, at, at the very beginning of the show, if you remember. Uh, and Mr. Dawson liked it. Forrest Dawson was a big fan of it. I didn't really hear from anybody else that, you know, gave me an opinion one way or another. But uh, just I, I don't even know how to say this other than we're not going to have any birthday games for the next week, uh, beginning today. 
and through Wednesday, we're not going to have any. I'm going to try to get uh, Jonathan in here with me. Uh, we've got uh, some uh, some trips down memory lane. Uh, John just does such a good job of producing this show, and uh, we've got some stuff from 2020, from 2021. And they're not they're not birthday games, so we're not going to do that. But uh, just some, looking back on stuff like today, uh, some of our favorite games of all time. We're going to talk about that at the very end of the show. But like I said, I'm going to raise a curtain on the show. Like I said, we pre-record these things. And uh, my faithful old Roadcaster Pro, uh, I really need to tell Zach Holcomb, he uses one for his uh, uh, video uh, show that he does, his video podcast. And, uh, man, I, I don't even know what happened. We were here Tuesday night. We recorded all five of our birthday games for this next week. Uh, take the card out, give it to John, and for whatever reason, the shows that I had deleted uh, off that card, they're still on the card. It did not record any of the cards that we had so or any of the shows that we had. So instead of trying to recreate all that magic, and that's about two and a half hours of magic because we average well, right at you know, 20, 25 minutes. Sometimes we'll go to 30 minutes on a birthday game. Uh we're not going to have any for the, uh, from today through next Wednesday. So if you're a birthday game fan, I do apologize. I can tell you our uh, the birthdays that were a part of it. And I'll do this again in the second hour. But, I mean, if you're a Run DMC fan, or I'm sorry, that was yesterday. If you're an Alanis Morissette fan, who, by the way, I am, Linda hates her. She says bad words about Alanis Morissette. <laughs> But uh, today is Alanis Morissette's birthday. She's 49 today. Heidi Klum. That's me trying to do a Jonathan growl there. Not very good, I know. Uh, Heidi Klum's birthday is today. She was the first German model to be a Victoria's Secret angel. Angel was a regular as a Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition model. You guys remember, especially men of a certain generation like myself, you remember her. Heidi Klum, uh, she's 50 today. Uh, Morgan Freeman, uh, the best voice in all, in my opinion, in all voiceovers or uh, whatever. He's 86 today. Uh, a couple of people have passed away. How about this? Uh, Marilyn Monroe and Andy Griffith, both celebrating their birthdays today. And you talk about just a, I don't know if you would call it a statistical anomaly or a birthday anomaly, but Marilyn Monroe and Andy Griffith, both, both born on the same day, month, Year, everything. Both of them were born June the 1st, 1926. Uh, Marilyn Monroe, uh, you know, she passed away in 1962. So she's been passed away for 61 years now. But uh, And then Andy Griffith, who died in, in 2012, both of them would be 97 today if they were still alive. But I, I just, you talk about two icons. Uh, one of the things we talked about uh, was uh, in regards to Andy Griffith. If you were to rank the top, uh, people from, and I'm talking about in any industry, in entertainment, heck, you could even say in politics and sports, who would be the number one most recognized North Carolinian? I think it would have to be Andy Griffith. And I mean, even more than, and the three that immediately came to mind for me were Andy Griffith and Michael Jordan and, uh, and Daryl Earnhardt. Those are the three that immediately jumped to mind. If you're hey, spent, send me in one out of those three, or not out of those three, but other than those three, who are the most recognized North Carolinians across the country? Because I believe <laughs> I just got instructions from my uh, from my executive producer, Linda Winnington, in all caps. Do not growl again. Okay. Well, what if I growl for you though, Linda? Is that all right? 
we'll, we'll get an answer for that from her uh, here in a moment. But uh, but seriously, outside of those three, I guess in the world of sports, you would have to include Steph Curry. Steph Curry, you know, born in Charlotte, uh, to Dale Curry, and uh, he would have to be up there. But I'm talking about just names that everybody knows. I mean, that you would ask Linda Whittington, uh, do you know who Andy Griffith is? Obviously, yes. Uh, of course, she knows who Michael Jordan is. Of course, she knows who uh, uh, Dale Earnhardt is. But, you know, then again, I'm not sure Michael Jordan was born here. I thought I think Michael Jordan was maybe born in uh, – in New York City or Brooklyn or somewhere, and maybe moved down here when he was a little child. But anyway, Andy Griffith, today is his birthday. Today is uh, Marilyn Monroe's birthday. Local birthdays, uh, listen, love her to death. Erin Harvey, she is the uh, wife of uh, Nick Harvey, our uh, superintendent or assistant superintendent of schools here in Lenora County. And she is just an amazing person, amazing mom. Uh, always has a smile on her face every time you see her. So happy birthday to Aaron Harvey. Happy birthday to uh, B.J. Koontz. Uh, B.J. Koontz is uh, a big wig over at Lenora Community College. She is also Linda's uh, sister-in-law, too. Uh, just a great lady. And then a guy that uh, I used to work with down at uh, when I was with the Kinston Daily Free Press. There you go. Thank you, Spence. I thought Jordan was born in Brooklyn, but I but having grown up in I don't know having grown up in North Carolina and spent a significant portion of his early life in North Carolina, and then of course going on and playing for Dean Smith at uh, at uh, in Chapel Hill. I, I think we can claim Michael Jordan as a uh, as a North Carolinian. I I don't know. I mean, I know. Uh, those are the rules. I think, uh, let me see somebody else. Just, uh, <laughs> no. Doggone Linda. I don't get to growl at all. What if I want to growl for Spence? <laughs> okay. That was, that was wrong, but, uh, I, that would be a good topic one day. And I think maybe I'll even hit, uh, 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 Paul up with that a little bit when we get him on here in a minute. But uh, listen, oh, happy birthday to Don Wilson, too. Uh, and like I said, I'll do these in the second hour, too, uh, where we would usually do it in the show. <laughs> hey, Linda, Spence said that I can growl for him anytime, so there you go. Uh, listen, before we get uh, Paul up here on the line with us, how about our down east Wood Ducks? They won again last night. They beat the Carolina League South leading Columbia Fireflies. Four to nothing. So how about this? They've now played 18 innings against the Columbia Fireflies, who are the first place team uh, in the Carolina League South, and they've beat them three to nothing and four to nothing. So, man, a great start to the series against uh, Columbia. Uh, game three of that series is tonight. The series continues with the Fireflies uh, at seven at Historic Granger Stadium. It's Thirsty Thursday tonight. There's an umbrella giveaway tomorrow that is going to be uh, – uh, by uh, Piggly Wiggly, a basketball jersey giveaway on Saturday from the Jim Walker Insurance Group and Nationwide, and then Dogs and Dogs Day on Sunday. The Kenston Wingmen, they were off last night. They play uh, tonight at LCC's Lancers Field. They have their very first home game. They'll take on the Brunswick Surfing Turfs at 5. You know what? That's not a bad idea. I said this yesterday on the show, but go see the Wingmen tonight at 5, then mosey over to uh, – uh, historic Granger Stadium for the Wood Ducks game. That's that's a good night of baseball. Uh, uh, American Legion post 43. If their schedule is still right, I did uh, message uh, Coach Easton this morning to see if it's correct. But the one that I have has uh, post 43 at Middle Creek tonight to take on Garner. But they are back home tomorrow at 7 at Kinston High School to take on Pitt County. ECU, uh, they are the two seed in Charlottesville. 
And they will be uh, playing tomorrow night at 7-2. So, man, just tons and tons and tons of baseball going on in our neck of the woods. And I am absolutely here for it. Okay, let's get uh, Paul Whittington up here on the line with us. But before we do that, let's thank uh, Lenore Community College. They are for 65 years of uh, Lenore Community College has helped men and women in our area tangibly improve their lives. LCC's mission is to meet the personal, cultural, and professional educational needs of its students through affordable, accessible, and innovative educational programs. LCC has its main campus right here in Kinston, <laughs> right here in Kinston at 231 Highway 58 South, but it also has satellite campuses in Greene County and Jones County. Call LCC at 252-527-6223. Visit their website at lenorecc.edu or visit one of their beautiful campuses in uh, Kinston, Snow Hill, or Trenton to find out how you can change your life today. And, uh, again, thank you so much, Richie Hunting, Dr. Rusty Hunter, BJ, to your Aunt BJ Koontz, Paul Whittington, who today is her birthday. You knew that, right? I did know that. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. Good oh, Lord. That was, uh, that was something. I'm going to wrap her. And I'll wrap our interview with Paul. Y'all have a great day, everybody. <laughs> there you go. It's a great visit from Paul Whittington today. Oh, uh, so, uh, you know what? I was just talking about this, and I'd like to pick your brain. Of course, we're going to start out with nowhere near what we're going to end up talking about here in a few minutes. But we were talking about, I was talking about how Andy Griffith's birthday is today, too. Uh, if he were still alive today, he'd be 97. But he and Marilyn Monroe were born the same day. But anyway, my question was, if you, you know, who are the most famous North Carolinians, you know, that are from North mm -hmm. Carolina? In fact, and Spence reminded me, and I, th I thought this was true, Michael Jordan wasn't even born in North Carolina. He was actually born in Brooklyn, New York, but uh, his, I guess his family moved down here when he was very young, spent his formative years, and, of course, played his high school and college basketball here. But outside of uh, Michael, okay, here are the three that I thought of and immediately came to mind was Andy Griffith, Michael Jordan and Dale Earnhardt. To me, the top three uh, North Carolinians. Often, you're a, a generation younger than I am, maybe even close to two generations younger than I am, Paul. When you think of famous North Carolinians in any field, sports, acting, uh, anything, who would immediately come to mind for you? Uh, Andy Griffith. Yep. No doubt. Um, Dale Earnhardt. Yep. I I don't know that I put Michael Jordan on a list. I mean, yeah, because he went to North Carolina, but I but I also know that he's not from North Carolina. Well, now he spent – I believe he got here when he was a child. I mean, when he was like really yeah. young, like three years old, maybe two or three years old and spent the rest of the time. But that's a good point. I mean, are we allowed to consider him that – got to tell um, – uh, keep going, keep going. Who, okay, then who else other than those three then? Um, Maybe Charlie Daniels. Really? Charlie Daniels is from maybe, North Carolina. I did not realize yeah. that. Yeah. Maybe Charlie Daniels. Um, I, I don't think there's any disputing the top two, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe you throw Vince McMahon up there. Oh, yes. Um, that's, a, that's a very popular entertainer. Well, I, I, I'm going to tell you, dude, I'm cheating. And I haven't done this the yeah. whole time. I'm cheating and... Uh, uh, I did famous North Carolinians. I Googled it. Here is their mm -hmm. list. And I'm sure this is in no order, but how about this from my home County, Zach Galifianakis 
from the hangover. That's right, yeah. He, yeah, uh, from the hangover. Uh, <laughs> great, great actor, funny guy. And, and yeah, that, I knew and, he. I knew he was from North Carolina, but, but he, I, I don't put him. I wouldn't even put him in the top ten. I wouldn't either. But let me tell you, can I, can I tell you my Zach Galifianakis? You know, yeah. oh my God, Greg Clemens just gave me one that dude should have been in the top three. Are, are you ready for this, dude? What's happening? Oh, we're going to smack ourselves across the face when Billy Graham. Oh, yeah, that's true. How did I forget Billy Graham, man? Yes. Thank you, Mr. Clemens. You're absolutely right. That should have been, uh, he should have been in the short list. I mean, who is more world renowned than him other than maybe Andy Griffith or, uh, or Michael Jordan? You know, I mean, but anyway, yeah, but I got to tell you my Zach Galifianakis, did you know I graduated from North Wilkes high school in 1987? I know it's, you know, a long, 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 long time ago. Zach Galifianakis graduated from Wilkes central high school the exact same year, 1987. We both graduated uh, from rival high schools. Now I didn't know about him at all. I know later when he started getting famous and someone told me he was from Wilkes County, I was like, wait, what? And I realized <laughs> someone told me. He was on the this okay, now my truly geeky side's gonna come out here, uh, Paul. He graduated Wilkes Central. He was on their quiz bowl team. I, I know this is gonna shock you, but I was on the North Wilkes quiz bowl team too. So evidently we must have competed against each other in quiz bowl, <laughs> but I don't I I'm not even gonna try to act like I remember. I really don't remember, yeah. but uh but the the possibility exists that he and I were in the uh you know, in a quiz bowl competition against each other when we were in high school, okay? Nice, I like it. Richard Petty probably on the list. Oh, also. good lord! I, I think I yes. think you can get away with a couple of NASCAR drivers on the top five just because of of how big NASCAR is in North Carolina. Well, here's who the the first thing that came up for famous North Carolinian celebrities. Uh, oh wow! Hey, Forrest Dawson, man, Jason <laughs> Bryan, Jason Bryan, Forrest Dawson. Several people have. Uh, hey, Jason says Scotty McCreary. Hey, he. He messaged us both this time. Uh, Look at Jason. Uh, he's, he's, getting, try- he's getting the hang of it. He's trying to do it right instead of, you know, choosing one <laughs> favorite over the other. He- <laughs> Jason, we both love you now. Can we both say that, right? He's, he's choosing one favorite over Brian. <laughs> there you go. But Forrest Dawson, uh, John Dawson's uh-huh. pops, he hits me with a couple. Of- These are good. David Brinkley. Mm-hmm. You remember David Brinkley? Or is that, that's before your time a little bit, but he was a new guy. I, I know the name. Yeah, I know the name. And then Edward R. Murrell. Mm-hmm. Those are good. Mr. Dawson, you're absolutely right. Those are two old school journalists that, like I said, uh, how old are you, Paul? About 30. I'll be 33 in a couple of months. Well, there you go. Well, you're definitely a much younger generation than myself and Mr. Dawson. And, uh, but, yeah, uh, that's good. David Brinkley, Edward Merle, uh, Jason says, Mr. Beast. I, I, mean, I know he's a gazillionaire and all that, which. And, yeah. If you, if you asked, uh, probably like Jason's son, then you would, you might would get that answer. Yeah. Explain the Mr. Beast just phenomenon to me because. Uh, yeah. He's, he's a guy from Greenville, um, that I don't know. He, he, started a YouTube channel basically. And, and I don't know how he got all the money. I don't know if he's independently wealthy or if it was through donors or sponsors or whatever. Um, but it all started out, I think with a video of him giving a homeless guy, just a bag of cash. And it spiraled from there. And, and he somehow 
comes across a lot of money and just gives a lot of money away. And that that's his whole shtick. That's that's the whole thing. Okay. The whole thing. Hey, and you know he built he him. built that good for uh, him, dude. He he built the replica uh, chocolate factory, Willy Wonka's chocolate factory in Kinston over the last summer, I believe it was. Uh, I was open for like two days and then basically chocolate doesn't last that long. So you got to get rid of it. Um, but part of that was, uh, um, a big money giveaway that there were certain people that got to go through it. And, um, at the end of it, one, there was one winner of a bunch of cash, but that's like the whole thing. That's, that's his whole appeal. Wow. Jim Catfish Hunter also on the list. Yep, there you go. Uh, your mom uh, mentions Jamie Presley, and she's absolutely right. And, in fact, on this list, like I said, the very first thing that pops up on when you Google famous North Carolinians, like I said, Zach Galifianakis, some of these are just really they're out there. I mean, Clay Aiken, I could give you that. Clay Aiken, you know, is pretty big. Of course, Michael Jordan. They've got Jamie Presley listed on there, too. Hey, hey uh, three- or four-time guest here on the Brian Hanks Show and a uh, famous celebrity, uh who is Britt Robertson? Do you know who that is? No clue. I did not know that George Clinton was from North Carolina. Yes. Yes. There you go. That's I never awesome. realized that. Uh, if it, I had 50 guesses, North Carolina would have been the last <laughs> guess. Kelly Pickler. Mm-hmm. Do you know her? Country singer. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, wow. Greg Clemens said that he believes Walter Cronkite is from New Hanover County. Boy, are we yeah, going to get to what we're talking here? I we're, we're going to get to a little every bit. every time every time you say Greg Clemens or Jason Bryant, there's like this <laughs> tiny millisecond of a pause where I think that's the name that you're suggesting. <laughs> and yes, Greg Clemens and Jason Bryant are both famous North Carolinians, at least in our hearts. But I that's. There's that millisecond pause where I think that's what you're suggesting. <laughs> well, Greg Clemens is regionally famous. Okay, he may not be. Yeah. Uh, he may not be one of the most famous North Carolinians, but he's definitely a famous <laughs> Swansborian. Is that how you or yep. Swansborian? Swans, I like it. Swans. Okay. Anyway, no. Walter Cronkite. Uh, who was it that suggested that? Uh, was Greg Clemens said Walter Cronkite? No. He was born, according to Wikipedia, and if you can believe Wikipedia, in Saint Joseph, Missouri, on November fourth, nineteen sixteen. So no, uh, not a North Carolinian, and in fact, spent- no. That's just that's just right up the road from New Hanover. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Oh, <laughs> Linda, man, this is awesome. I love this. We got everybody just uh, chiming in. Roy Williams. I would give you that Jason Bryant, uh, Roy Williams. I'm almost positive. He was born in North Carolina cause he's from Asheville or black mountain, that neck of the woods. And then your mom said Sandra Bullock went to, uh, uh, ECU. I don't know if she's from, Oh, this is fun, dude. We could just do a whole show of this dude. <laughs> no, we could no, no. Not what I imagined us talking about when I answered the question. No, Sandra Bullock is from Arlington County, Virginia, but did go, go to East Carolina. She did go to East Carolina. There you go. Okay, let's let's. Uh, hey, that was fun. That was a little fun exercise there. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. Paul Whittington, have you yet recovered from our trip? Now, what? Almost two weeks ago to uh, to North Wilkesboro in Wilkes County. I, I, have have you? Uh, like I said, have you properly recovered from that yet? I have. I'm actually wearing my uh, my All Star Race T-shirt. Oh. Um, I, I I do feel like I have recovered. Um, if I had gone to the races on Monday or spent any time in Charlotte over the weekend, I think my answer would be different. But but yeah, I think we're we're back in a in a solid schedule now. 
Well, very good. Well, let people know because usually at this time, uh, and I want to thank Shane Albee, uh, who just graciously uh, switched his time slots with you. you typically at this time, mm-hmm. we're getting the, the very caffeinated uh, high. <laughs> Listen, I love Shane, man. Shane is freaking awesome. The voice of the Down East Wood Ducks and University of Mount Olive. Uh, but he, uh, like I said, not joining us this morning because you couldn't do tomorrow. What, are you, You're serving our country, right? Yeah, we start some annual military training tomorrow so we're gonna go do that for a couple of weeks and then and then come on back but we'll stay in local this time not not go into the desert to play laser tag like we did last year <laughs> now oh which leads to do i need to find somebody for next friday uh tbd i'll get back to you on that okay very good very good but again want to thank and i want i've said it a couple of times i just want to thank shane albee who, because again this is typically his time it's his time slot and uh he swapped it out <laughs> so uh so i could get paul on today okay uh nascar let's go ahead and uh jump feet first and you know what no 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 i want to talk some uh washington nationals dude watched a couple of innings last night of uh, the nationals in la Taking on the Dodgers, they hit five home runs. They win ten to six. And I know we've kind of just spent—I don't know—two or three or four minutes all season so far on the Nationals. But I wouldn't mind taking a couple of minutes here, uh, uh, Paul, and just—you know—my my heart was broken. I mean, 2019 was just a season to remember. I mean, dude, you went to a, mm-hmm. you went to a World Series game, didn't you? Uh, it was NLCS. NLCS. Is, uh, I knew you went to one of those. Yeah, you, but you went up by yourself. And you went to one of those games. I couldn't remember if it was NLCS or World Series. But uh, your mom and I, Linda and I, we went to the World Series parade with about a million and a half of our closest friends lining the streets mm-hmm. of D.C. That was a blast. And then it, as, as soon as it was here, it was over. I mean, as they deconstructed the team immediately pretty much after that and We've been wandering in the forest or wandering in the in the desert for, you know, a couple of years. Last year was just bottomed out. I mean, it was just terrible. And I thought this year was going to be like yeah. that too. But goodness gracious, Paul. I mean, you win in L.A. And yes, I know it's a small sample size. It's one game out of 162. But you hit five home runs against the National League team that's probably the favorite to win the at least the uh, National League championship. Paul, mm-hmm. Am I allowed to dream again about this Washington Nationals team? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Uh, actually, I actually had this conversation yesterday uh, riding to lunch with one of my employees about the Nationals. And, you know, they were not great the first two months of the 2019 season. You know, I remember the record right off the top of my head. I think I, it was I, like 19 and 31. Yeah, 19 and 31. I was yep. going to say 19 and 24. But, yeah, 19 and 31, they weren't good. They were not good at all. And, and it seemed like that – with with all the talent that that team had, they were they were headed for less than mediocrity, right? Um, and then you know June happens and and things take off and you go on to win the World Series. And then 2020 was a weird year with COVID, and we only played 60 games in the regular season. And where we were at in 2020, the team got off to the same sluggish start. This team, the the biggest. The biggest Achilles heel of this team is April and May. Um, and they got off to a sluggish start through the first 60 games. And they're at the, they're at the end of it. Like they were starting to win more and more and more. And then it just, the season was too short. You weren't able to do anything with it. And then you fast forward to 2021 and you come in with a lot of the same pieces that you had back in 2019. And you had lost folks like 
uh, Anthony Rendon and uh, Adam Eaton and, and names like that. But a lot of your pitching pieces were still in place. You still had Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, for whatever it was worth back then. Um, and you still had Trey Turner, Juan Soto, a lot of those big names. And then we got to the trade deadline, and they sent everything off. You know, you, you dealt um, Josh Bell, or excuse me, that was a year later. You dealt Trey Turner and um, Kyle Schwarber and Max Scherzer, and you sent all those guys to, to different teams. And at the time that that happened, the Nationals were only two games out of first place in the NL East. And it still to this day makes no sense to me why they did that at that particular moment because of how close they were. They were in the fight. And then after that, things just really unraveled. And then you fast forward to last season, and that's when you give up Josh Bell and Juan Soto. But now you're seeing all this talent that you were able to pull in from those trades in 2021 and 2022, and it's actually playing out okay. Now, there's still a lot, a long way to go. Let's not get it twisted. There's still a long way to go. This team, as I'm looking at the standings here, where are they? They're right here. They are nine games, eight games under 500, nine games back of uh, the Atlanta Braves and the NL East, and they're five games out of a wild card spot. But there's still a long way to go. But here's what's encouraging, Brian. When you look at the number of hits that this team has, they're fourth in Major League Baseball in hits. Wow. With 506. There's only three teams that have more hits than the Washington Nationals, and that's the Tampa Bay Rays, the Texas Rangers, and the Toronto Blue Jays. When you look at team batting average, this team is fourth. Once again, behind the Texas Rangers, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Toronto Blue Jays. So this team hits the ball really, really well. They might not hit for a lot of power, but, but they can get on base and they can score runs with the best of them. And, you know, if you don't believe it, look at last night's score when you literally are going against the best of them. Um, you know, where, where things are struggling right now is pitching. And I think that's the one area that the Nationals have to improve before they can be seriously competitive again. Okay, why have they improved? I mean, obviously, with all these trades where they got rid of their superstars and, you know, you're getting young prospects, uh, are these prospects mm-hmm. that were involved in these trades, are they coming through for us? Or how? Or is it in yeah. the system itself? How, how, how have they improved, so, like you said, to be the fourth best uh, batting team in Major League Baseball? Uh, it's, it's both. Uh, you, you have guys that were able to come over maybe in AAA and they're already making an impact with your major league roster. Uh, you, you still have some guys that are down in, in AA and, and even AAA that came over from trades that uh, haven't made that impact yet, but, but they're on their way. And there's some good pitching prospects with, within, the, within the system right now. So we're not that far away. You know, there's a, there's a great pitching prospect out there that came over in one of those deals. His name's Cade Cavalli. He's missing the season this year because he had to undergo Tommy John surgery last year. But uh, when he is healthy, when, when he is back, uh, you, you, we expect big things out of him. So the pitching's on its way. It's, it's mostly in the farm system right now. Um, I think there's some things that, you know, obviously you, you want, if you had it to do over again, you wouldn't make the massive deal that you made to Patrick Corbin after the 2019 run. Uh, that, that's been nothing but, but just a joke. But he's been the best pitcher over the last, over his last like three starts. He's been the best pitcher in the rotation. 
over like his last three starts. I think he actually started last night, uh, but did not get it. But he got a no decision in the game. Um, but but the pitching's on its way. It's it's coming, and and hopefully this time next year we're we're telling a much different story about where the Nationals are at overall. Well, there you go. Uh, give me a name. Uh, uh, being a Nationals fan and. We are going to be there the uh, week of July 4th to uh, go watch a few games. We'll talk about that more as we get closer to it because we're taking a train to D.C. You and Sam, uh, your beautiful pregnant wife, Sam, and <laughs> me, and uh, your gorgeous mom. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get people built up for more of that as we get closer to it. But give me one name. Who is, a to in your mind, Paul Whittington, a bona fide future star, who maybe is already starting to show it now, but that is, but who is on the roster right now, not on the forty man and playing at double A or triple A, but who is on the roster who you you anticipate big things for a future All Star perhaps for the Nationals. I I look at C.J. Abrams, uh, the the shortstop for for the Washington Nationals, gotten off to a bit of a sluggish start this year, but but he's kind of coming into it. He's batting two thirty six right now. Um, he's, he's got six home runs, 29 RBIs, 42 hits, and 178 at-bats. Uh, he's, he's getting better. This is a guy that uh, came over in the Juan Soto deal last year. He was a uh, round one sixth overall pick okay. of the Padres back in 2019. Uh, he's, he's a really good young talent. Um, I, I, I still miss the days of shortstop with Trey Turner, but – I think C.J. Abrams is a great replacement, and this is a kid that, that I look at the, with the more major league experience that he gets, he's only going to get better, and I think C.J. Abrams is going to be a household baseball name in the next maybe three three years. Oh, I love it. C.J. Abrams. So uh, so what you're saying is I need to get an Abrams jersey before we head up there, right? Probably wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> Very good. Paul Whittington on the line with us right now. And like I said, I wanted to give the Nationals a little bit of time, and especially for folks who listen to us on 252 ESPN uh, in New Bern and Greenville. Uh, you hear all the Nationals games on uh, on 107.5 and, like I said, 252ESPN.com. And, yeah, it, it's kind of cool to get some – you know, to, to get our team. That's mine and your team. We've Like I said, we've been in the desert for a couple of years. We've been deep in the wilderness, and I don't know if we can quite see our way out of it yet, but we're getting closer. And, like I said, when you see a game, a 10-6 victory, five home runs against the L.A. Dodgers, we're not talking about against – Milwaukee or against, uh, I don't know, a bottom feeder. We're talking about the team that's probably going to win the uh, National League pennant this year. It's very encouraging, isn't it? It is. It, it certainly is. And, and you know, they they did drop the first two games in the three-game series, but uh, they didn't get swept. And and that's the difference here. And, they've you know, they just took a series from the Padres who are loaded with talent. Uh, they, they've got a winning record against excuse me, against the New York Mets this year. So, I mean, things are looking up. They're playing well to to the teams that, that they're going up against. I love it. I absolutely love it. Like I said, uh, it's more personal since we're going to see him about a month from now, too, for uh, two or maybe even – I think we talk, We may even see him for three games, you and I and uh, Linda, right? Yeah. Yeah, it might, might be three. I love it. I love it. Anyway, okay, uh, Paul Whittington on our, uh, on our uh, Spence on Motive guest line right now. Uh, yes, I, for people who are thinking, oh my God, it's Friday. No, 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 it's not Friday. It's uh, Thursday. Uh, Paul and uh, our good friend Shane Alvey swapped spots this week. So uh, it's Paul in our first hour here on Thursday, 
June the 1st. And let's just uh, jump in both feet now in the NASCAR. And the word penalty and penalized and all that, it's been a, a, part, <clears throat> a pretty popular word in the last couple of days uh, in the NASCAR camps. And I, I swear I'm not doing this to poke the bear with you, but uh, the first big penalty to me is uh, Chase Elliott. And we were in real-time messaging with each other while the race was going on, the Coca-Cola 600 on Monday, it was delayed a day because of weather. And it was just uh, very, to me, very un-Chase Elliott-like what he did to Danny Hamlin. And NASCAR agreed with you and I, Paul, that uh, that it was an intentional act. I know I was listening to Dave Moody yesterday on Sirius XM uh, yesterday afternoon, and he said they it's not one of those cases where they thought that he did it they were able to see everything you know uh, they can see inside his car i guess the video inside his car showed him actually taking his arm and moving it or moving the steering wheel and going into danny hamlin and that was pretty much what uh made the decision there i just wanted your thoughts on we're going to talk about chase elliott here for a few minutes your thoughts on the suspension for one game or for one game, for one race after that Coca-Cola 600 uh, incident uh, this past Monday? Absolutely warranted. Uh, absolutely warranted. Uh, as soon as I saw the move, the first thing out of my mouth was he needs to go. Yeah. He needs to go. Um, I, I, I've said it on this show before, and I'll say it again. I'll reiterate it right now. I don't care who it is. I don't care if Jimmy Johnson did it uh, while, while he was back for a race. I don't care if Jeff Gordon comes back for a race. Uh, I don't care if somehow Dale Earnhardt manages to come back for a race. And if they do it, they deserve to go, right? Um, obviously, that last one's a bit facetious. I understand uh, that. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Um, but the point is you can't right-hook somebody at 180 miles an hour in a, in a, in a part of the racetrack where you're going to send them head on into the wall. Chase Elliott back on May 1st said that he thought that these cars still weren't as safe as they could be. And then he pulls that crap. And if you look, I, I, I think the most, there, there's two things that I really, that really stood out to me in all the video review of this incident. First off was the outside of the race cars, the, the view that you saw in real time through, uh, through Fox sports during during the coverage on Monday, these composite bodies, they withstand a lot more than the previous generation uh, with, with the sheet metal bodies. Uh, they, they just, they don't show damage as much when, you know, if you got into the wall in the, in the previous gen and you scrape the wall, that sheet metal would bend and you'd have a tire rub and your day would be over. We're here with these composite bodies. You can get into the wall a little bit. You'll never know it. You never know it from looking at the race car. You might see a little bit of a scrape, but you don't have to worry about the tire going down because the, the body's rubbing against the tire. All that to say, these cars just with, withstand a little bit more. That race car, after it hit the wall head on at 180 miles an hour, was absolutely total. The front end, was, the whole front clip, just absolutely destroyed. And then, number two, you see the in-car footage that looks at Denny Hamlin. There's a camera mounted uh, up, up on top of the race car that looks down at Denny Hamlin. And the amount of movement that, that he did going back and forth, back and forth, helmet, helmet slamming against the, the seat and stuff, that was just a, a super dangerous hit. And NASCAR drivers, especially champions of our sport, have to be better than that. 
they just there's no excuse for making that kind of move. Um, and then what was what made it very clear, uh, you know, there was there was obviously and in, in, in looking at the replays, if you don't know what you're looking at, you can create reasonable doubt. But Brad Keselowski got into the back of Chase Elliott. Now Chase Elliott had already made the left hand turn before. Brad Keselowski got into into Chase Elliott, but you could certainly look at that and go, I don't know if it's intentional because of this. But then you pull up the SMT data, and that's data that yep, yep, yep. Denny Hamlin shared in in the aftermath of being released from the care center. Chase Elliott turned his steering wheel after he hit the wall. He turned his steering wheel straight, got it back straightened out, and then turned it 120 degrees to the left, wow. which was like three times more than he had turned it all race long to that point. Yeah. That's intense. That's 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 intense. (laughs) That's definitely. And this needs to be said too, Paul. I'm an anti-Hendrick motorsports. uh, As people listen to the show know, I I do not have any love for Chevys. I'm a Ford guy through and through. Chase Elliott is your favorite driver. You're saying all these really, I mean, independent things, but Chase Elliott's your favorite driver, dude. He is, but like that—that's an irrelevant point. Yep, yep. At, at, at this particular moment, because we're using these race cars as, as weapons. That's what we're doing, and we've got to stop. And and I don't care who you are, we cannot tolerate that, especially when we have guys like Alex Bowman, Kurt Busch, who is still not healthy enough to come back. Uh, Alex Bowman that, you know, sat out for a number of races with, with a concussion. All these different drivers that have gotten hurt in these race cars. And then you go on TV and, and, or radio or whatever, and back on May 1st, you say that these race cars still aren't safe. And then you come out there and you do something like that. Like there's just, I don't care if you're my favorite driver or my least favorite driver. My, my answer is going to be the same. You got to go. It just make, it just makes me respect you more, and I mean that in all sincerity. It makes me respect you more that we're not talking about Joey Logano, who you have you know shown disgust for in the past, or or whoever. This is your favorite driver, and you're making these comments about him, and it just again. It just makes your point even stronger there, Paul. Paul Whittington on the line with us. He's our NASCAR. He's our Carolina Hurricanes. He's our NHL, our baseball expert. But we're talking NASCAR right now. And this is something, and you think that I'm doing a riff here, and you think that, and I know you, and you know what I'm getting ready to say to you. I don't think Chase Elliott's having fun, dude. And now bear in mind, you've only got me back in the NASCAR in the last year or so. Maybe we'll even say the last two years, especially with America's driver, uh, Joey Logano, winning the championship last year. But, uh, dude, so I've not, I didn't get to see Chase Elliott's glory years or, you know, I know he's the most popular driver, but I think it's primarily due to his father. I don't think it's because of him, but that's a conversation for another day. But here's the thing that I've noticed about Chase. Paul, and you're going to have to either tell me I'm crazy or whatever, but I don't think he's having fun. And I mean that. I mean, this entire, this entire season in particular, I don't think I have seen him smile one time. Now, yes, he missed a big portion of it after the ski accident and, uh, in Colorado and what he missed six or seven races, whatever it was then. So not a lot to smile about there, obviously, but dude, when you see him being interviewed, he's got a frown on his face. In fact, I'm sitting here right now. Google Chase Elliott and then hit images, 
and he's not smiling. He's smiling like in two of 12 pictures, dude. And those are like pictures from several years ago. I, this is just my theory. I think it's going to come out somewhere. I don't know if it, again, if it was because of the ski accident that took him out, I'm telling you, dude, I don't think Chase Elliott's having a good time this year, and I'm not sure he enjoys being a race car driver right now, dude. And this is just me off pictures, off watching him, you know, when he's being interviewed in post-game or post-race or pre-race or whatever, even when he's got to do his sponsor stuff. I mean, he's just it just seems like uh, he just doesn't seem like a very happy person, Paul Whittington. I mean, I, I disagree with you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I don't think that you show up to the racetrack every week as if you look in the garage area among all the active drivers, he's like got the sixth most wins among, among all the current active drivers. Um, he's got a championship. Uh, he has, he, he's one of the few drivers in the garage area that doesn't have a different paint scheme every single week with a different sponsor on the hood. Like for the most part, it's just Napa. Now he does get down to like Lumar and, and Hooters and stuff, but for the most part, it's just Napa. Uh, there's not a lot that Chase Elliott has to worry about. I think, uh, I think Chase Elliott compartmentalizes his emotions in a different way than other drivers where outside of the racetrack, Chase Elliott smiles a lot. But, and, you know, when when he's out interacting with fans, Chase Elliott smiles a lot. But the moment that fire suit goes on, you have you have a competitor. You have a guy who's out there to do one thing and one thing only, and that's when a checkered flag. Um, and and I think that's what you're seeing. Like, some, I mean, you name any starting pitcher in baseball on the day of their on the day that they're supposed to start a baseball game, they wake up and they don't smile until, until after they're pulled from the game. And that, and that's just fact, right? Like I've, I've been around enough of them working for working for the K tribe back in the day. Like I saw it every, every single day, these guys from the moment, like they come into the clubhouse on the day of their start, they don't talk to a soul. They, they go directly to their locker. They put their headset, they put their headphones on and, and they don't, they don't interact with anybody. And then after they're pulled from the game, if they have a lead, they're a completely different person and they're, and they're back to smiling and cutting up with everybody. And, and I, and I think that's just the competitor in, in Chase Elliott. Uh, everybody handles, you know, the, I don't want to say the emotions, but, but everyone handles game day differently. And I think for Chase Elliott, it's, it's a, it's a lockdown, eyes forward, got to focus kind of approach. Yeah, and I can appreciate you saying that, but I just I, I look at America's driver Joey Logano. Okay, I mean, and when he is doing, will you stop saying that? <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's my little son. I was taking a sip of coffee that time when you said that, and I almost spit it all over my desk. <laughs> but that's uh that's my way to poke the bear with Paul Whittington. But anyway, but when you do look at America's driver Joey Logano, and when you look at uh, even Danny Hamlin and just uh, name a driver. I mean, Daniel Suarez, who, by the way, dude, I'm becoming a big fan of, dude. I, I just he's, he's great. I, he's great for the sport. I love his attitude. But and I know you can't be, dude. I don't get up at you know six o'clock every morning or five forty-five every morning and just ready to go on this show. But I, dude, I just 
I think it's going to come out. And I, and I don't know anything more, obviously. I mean, you know a hell of a lot more about NASCAR than I do. But, dude, I'm a good body language guy. I really am. And I read faces and all that. And, dude, I just don't think he's having a good time, man. And I just don't think he – yeah, and I can understand what you're saying, you know, putting a game face on. But you know what? Joey doesn't do that. Uh, name, like I said, all these other drivers. I mean, Daniel Suarez, he doesn't do that. I mean, even uh, these young guns like uh, Ross Chastain looks like he's having a good time out there, especially Ryan Blaney, who I want to talk about in the Charlotte uh, Motor Speedway, the Coca-Cola 600 win this past yeah. week. Uh, but do you see what I'm saying? I mean, even Kevin Harvick, the old guns, Martin Truex, they get out there and they look like they're having fun. I mean, and they'll crack a smile. And, you know, when they're doing their post race, unless they've been wrecked or something, they're doing Chase Elliott just does not. I don't know, man. I, I guess I'm just used to his pops. I'll never be a Chase Elliott fan because of the whole Chevy angle of it. Although, I mean, there are other drivers that I like that drive Chevys. I don't know, dude. I, I Like I said, maybe I'm talking out of my butt here, dude, but I just, it's, he doesn't look like the, he's having the a good side, time. The side of the story that you're not telling, Brian, is okay. that I sent you like three pictures the other day where Chase Elliott was smiling, <laughs> one of which was with Corey Bowie in the picture. <laughs> That's right. I guess I should. Uh... But, but, like, I, I think there's, there's one driver you didn't call, and I'm going to say his name in just a second. But, okay, okay. you know, you go down the finishing order from Sunday's Coke 600, and, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But Zane Smith uh, built, uh, driving the 38 Boot Barn car on on Monday over the week, or over the weekend, rather, for uh, Front Row Motorsports. And he brings that car home 10th, top 10 finish. For that team and for, for driver Zane Smith, that's a win. It's only like his sixth career Cup Series start. It's the first time he's ever run a Cup car in a mile and a half, and he brings it home to him. He gets out of the car, he's smiling. Kyle Busch, if he finishes second, he gets out of the car, and he's pissed at the world because he is the first loser, and he doesn't like it, right? Well, but Kyle Busch. You, you, well, you look at that interaction, though. You look at you look at his demeanor when he gets out of the race car from finishing second, and you you listen to his interviews and all that stuff. There's plenty out there, and you're going to tell me that Kyle Busch, a guy with two championships and just the the winningest driver in NASCAR history, and you're going to tell me that someone like him's not having fun, like, and and I make that point just to arrive here. Like, drivers compartmentalize their emotions differently. And, and I, and I think Chase Elliott kind of a little bit resembles Kyle Busch in that regard, where once that fire suit goes on, it's, it's strictly business. And if you don't win, it hurts and it should. Well, uh, I can't believe, dude, we've been talking for almost 40 minutes and I'm not going to get to half of what I wanted to, uh, but I, I, I do need you to give me 45 seconds on the 14 penalty. Yeah. Um, big penalty for. Chase Briscoe and the number 14 Stuart Haas racing team. Uh, basically, something up under the car, uh, some ductwork was basically manufactured by them and wasn't uh, what didn't come from the single source vendor. Uh, they're assessed a massive penalty, one of the biggest that we, we've ever had in NASCAR, certainly the biggest this year. 120 driver and owner points, 25 playoff points, crew chief suspended for six races and find $250,000. You compare that to the Hendrick Motorsports and Colleg Racing penalties from earlier this year with the Hoodlovers. Those those drivers were docked 100 driver and owner points, 10 playoff points. The crew chiefs were suspended for four races and fined $100,000 each. 
this is NASCAR saying, we've had this conversation, we're done, stop doing this. Stop <laughs> manufacturing these parts on your, on your own, and they're only going to get more severe from here. And you know what? That's what it's going to take. And I think if we see another driver make a make a left hook or, or make a left turn and right hook somebody into the fence, like what we saw on Sunday, we're going to start seeing separate penalties. Uh, what stands out to me about this penalty, 120 driver points, the max amount of points you can earn in a race is 60. That's two races worth of the max amount of points. That's a lot of points, Brian. Well, unless he wins a race and gets himself into the uh, – which by at this point, by the way, with so many different race winners this year, you, we could face mm-hmm. what we were on the verge of facing last year. Unless he wins – I guess my yeah. point is, though, unless Chase Briscoe wins a race, he's got – Zilch, zero chance of making the the uh, playoffs, doesn't he? Yeah, he's thirty first in points right now. You know, we no longer look at the top thirty and and pull wins from there. Um, he dropped down to thirty first in points, two hundred seventy four points out of the lead. It's a it's a big, significant loss that he's that he that he's been been dealt. So, yeah, he's he's going to have to find victory lane. Other than that, it's it's pretty much over. For, uh, for Chase Briscoe. Well, there you go. Uh, real quick, like I said, we've got just a couple of minutes left here in our first hour. Uh, give me a quick wrap on the Coca-Cola 600 uh, delay today. I got to tell you, it was a sold-out event for the second year in a row. It was sold out. But even into Monday, and you know, a lot of people, even though it was Memorial Day from all over the country, a lot of them had to go back. I would still say when they did the crowd shots, it looked like it was 70 to 75% full at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Yeah, it was. Uh, they showed out on Monday. It was an excellent turnout for the race on Monday. Uh, a lot of fans that that were able to pack that pack that place up. Um, it, you know, it once again the oval at Charlotte with this next gen race car produced great racing. There's a there's a poll that gets put out by Jeff Gluck of the Athletic that thousands of people vote on, and, and it simply was this race a good race. of voters said yes. Wow. 91.2%. The number one Charlotte over race in the poll out of 15 races, it edges the 2019 All-Star and last year's 600, which both had just under 91% of the vote. Um, Just an excellent race. Probably, in retrospect, going to be one of the most popular of the year because of who won. Ryan Blaney snaps a 59-race winless streak to, to go back to victory lane. Um, a great weekend for Roger Penske, you know, uh, Joseph Newgarden, the, uh, the Penske driver who, who drives a Chevrolet. That's, that's weird. Chew on that one for a second. <laughs> drives a Chevrolet and IndyCar for Roger Penske, wins the Indy 500 the next day. Ryan Blaney, a Penske driver in a Ford in NASCAR, wins the Coke 600. Just a, an all-around great race. And we didn't call this out earlier talking about the chase penalty, but one thing to note from it, uh, Corey LaJoy has been tapped to drive the nine this weekend. I am super excited about that. There's not a better guy in the garage area, and there's not there's not a guy more deserving of this chance. When Dylan Hart Jr. retired, he actually took a took a handwritten letter to Rick Hendrick at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, basically pleading his case to be tapped as the next driver for Hendrick Motorsports. This is a massive opportunity for this young man and there's going to be a lot of eyes on him to see what he can do in big equipment this weekend. So who's driving the seven this weekend, then? That'll be Carson Hosevar. Uh, he'll get his first NASCAR Cup. Bless you. 
<laughs> like you sneeze. Real quick, uh, as we wrap up our first hour here on the show, uh, give us a little preview. Uh, we, we head to St. Louis this week. Uh, tell us about uh, – just uh, give us a quick preview and your predictions for this weekend, Paul. Yeah, tough to tough to predict. Um, this I love Gateway. Uh, it's it's a phenomenal racetrack. I'm, I'm trying to remember who won it last year. Uh, I, I can't recall right off the top of my head. Uh, in terms of predictions, I got to think Kyle Larson's an early favorite. Uh, I got I also got to look at Ryan Blaney. Um, that team was was bad fast this past weekend. I only think they're going to build on that momentum. Long shot pick, man. I can't help it. Uh, I would I would go with Corey LaJoy. He's a great driver, and I think once you put him in some, some top-notch equipment like what he's going to be in this weekend, he's going to make some noise. So we'll put him down as a long-shot pick, but but I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney. We'll, we'll call him back-to-back. How about that? It doesn't win for 59 races and then could win back-to-back if uh, Paul Weddington is right. Dude, the, Paul, the last you. time – sorry, la- real quick. The last time he, he won was, was back-to-back. And then he went 60 races without winning. <laughs> there you go. That is crazy. Paul, I've, I've said it before and in all sincerity, man, thank you for serving our country. And, uh, again, that's why we've got Paul on this morning instead of in his regular Monday slot, or I'm sorry, his regular uh, Friday slot is because uh, he uh, serves in the National Guard and is going to have his uh, summer operations. Uh, dude, hope to have you next week. I know it's TBD, but, uh, just let me know. But again, in all sincerity, dude, especially with Memorial day, just passing and, uh, listen, we, we love all our veterans and especially you mean a lot to us, dude. Thank you for what you do for our country, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Brian. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. There you go. That's Paul Whittington, our regular Friday guest. He is our, uh, he was our, uh, what is today? Thursday, our, our Thursday guest today, Mickey Weatherington. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. As we are wrapping up our first hour in two minutes here on the show, I got to tell you, and we're going to get into this uh, when we formally begin our second hour, which we're going to do here in about 20 seconds, but uh, I had a lot of really good response to your first appearance here on the show two weeks ago, dude. I was just telling Linda that I got hits from Colorado, (laughs) uh, Alabama, Maryland, Virginia, Florida, and of course, all in North Carolina. You're a very popular guy. Mickey Weatherton coming up here in our second hour. Thank you for listening to The Brian Hanks Show, presented by Lenore Community College.